This is episode number 63 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome back to the High Impact Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Stannard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to share some success stories from high impact leaders who've been able to build strong teams while growing a successful business. This week, I'm doing a special episode about how to build wealth. So just so you guys know, I grew up in a fairly poor family. I mean, my dad worked really hard, and when he retired, he actually had a pretty nice nest egg saved up for for he and my mom, but... As I was growing up, we lived in a very rural part of Arkansas without a whole lot of luxury. So I I paid my way through college and earned a few scholarships to help. But when I graduated from school, I was in a lot of debt and my income wasn't great (laughs) right away. But by the time I was 36, I had made my first million dollars. And and, um, so no matter where you're coming from, there is a path to financial success. And on this episode, I'm going to share with you a few secrets about what I did to become financially secure. By the way, to make sure that I give you a few actionable items, I wanted to break this session up into a few parts. So part one is about getting your mind right so that you can acquire wealth. And then next week, I'm going to show you how to increase your income without having to create a side hustle. You can actually increase your income just by doing what you're doing now. And then finally, We'll cover the big secret to wealth, which is creating multiple streams of income and making your time and your money work for you. So by the way, as always, if you like the sessions, don't forget to subscribe to the High Impact Leaders podcast and make sure you rate the podcast and leave me a review wherever you download the show. All right, so let's get on with today's topic. So the topic today is how to build wealth in three simple steps. You can also call this wealth strategies for any age, so whether you're 20 or 30, or 40, or 50, you can use this strategy to build wealth. Um, By the way, just so you guys know, most get-rich-quick schemes that you'll see and hear about, they'll actually just make you poorer. (laughs) However, if you want to know how to build wealth, there are a few simple strategies that are time-tested. They work every single time. And and by the way, building wealth is not complicated. It's, It's actually a very simple process. In fact, most wealthy people use these or similar strategies to to get rich. I say slowly, but slowly compared to what folks kind of tell you about when they're trying to manipulate you or or rip you off. Um, So although there is a little, with a little sacrifice and a little bit of of risk-taking, you can actually shorten that time dramatically, sometimes in just as few as a, a few years or sometimes months, depending on the situation that you find yourself in. So I'll give you just some concepts of how I use this. So like back when I applied to go to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do for a living. Um, originally, I wanted to be a doctor because I, I thought doctors made good money. And so I wanted I studied that. And then I got a job working at a hospital when I was in high school. And I realized very quickly that, man, this was not fun. I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And so I was kind of at a, at a struggle. I was, I was kind of trying to figure out, okay, what, what can I do that will actually make a good living for me? Or really, I wanted to become a millionaire. That was really, well, that was my goal. My goal was to become a millionaire. And uh, I was just looking for a profession that would allow me 
to do that and, and not knowing any millionaires at the time, though I, I had no clue how to actually do this. So, um, and by the way, just so you know, this was before Mark Cuban figured out a way to play audio over the internet and made gazillions of dollars. And it was also before Zuckerberg created a, a social yearbook to remember the names of girls that his friends met on campus. And it was also before candy matching games on iPads soaked people for millions of dollars, $1.99 at a time. So this was back pre all of that stuff. So like a lot of young people, I paid my way through college by taking out student loans. And when I graduated from school, my first job didn't really pay a whole lot either. So before long, just to kind of get by, I started to charge everyday expenses to credit cards and so when I entered the business world, I actually had a negative negative net worth. I was actually worth a negative amount of money. So that's where I started. But a little over a decade later, I made my first million dollars. And it, and it, it took me 12 years or so to make that first million. Interestingly, though, less than six months later, I made my second million. So one of the things that I want to kind of point out to you is that once you kind of learn these strategies, you can put them into practice over and over and over. You set the stage to create success for yourself. Um, let, let me start off, though, by just kind of explaining the difference between wealth and income. Sometimes people kind of get those two things confused. So um, because Early in my career, when when I when I hit that, you know, I got that million, and then you know, six months later, I got another million. My income was really high; it was well over a million dollars every single year. But I didn't start building wealth right away. <laughs> there was a big difference between income and wealth, and income is just the amount of money that you make. If your expenses are less than your income, then your net, you know, what you have left over, will be positive. And you'll be able to maybe put some of that excess into a savings account or if you like, create an emergency fund or something like that. And over time, that savings has the potential to grow into wealth. Just being in a savings account, though, it's not necessarily wealth. Over time, it could create that for you. Uh, but but just being in, a, in, a, in an account, it, it actually doesn't necessarily mean that's going to generate wealth for you. Um, however, this is the, this is the process of getting rich slowly. This is what I was talking about before. Depending on the current inflation rate, by the time that you want to spend those savings, your money will likely not be worth nearly as much as when you socked it away. So keep in mind, income is not wealth. And in fact, savings is also not wealth. Um, but you can create wealth when you create something or invest in something that generates income for you whether you work or not. That's where the wealth really comes from. So by the way, you can start building wealth at any age. I mean, my, my son, Ben, he's 14 years old now and, and he takes after his mom. He's really good with money. So a few years ago, he pulled out his cash box that he'd been stuffing for years with Christmas money and birthday money and that kind of stuff. And he had socked away almost $1,500, $20 at a time, $40 at a time. So when the COVID pandemic hit in 2020, the stock market crashed, especially in March and April of 2020. So in May, Ben went and bought a bunch of bargain price stock, which he sold just a few months later, almost tripling his nest egg. So he went from that 1500 bucks that he had stored, stashed away in savings and tripled his money in really less than seven or eight months. 
So um, we call the money that Ben received as gifts income. So basically, that's what he got. It, that was his income. And when he put that money into his cash box to save, he didn't spend it. So he was creating savings. However, when he invested that money, he got a return on his investment. And that passive income created wealth for him, at least for a short time. Um, so before I kind of go any further, I don't want to confuse people because this is not a stock buying episode. I'm not going to teach you how to get rich off, off stocks. And, and, and in fact, um, I, I can kind of answer the question for you right now. Or can you actually get rich off stocks? And so I'm not suggesting that you do that, by the way. Um, it, you, you, it can be, by the way. You can use stocks as a way to generate wealth for you. Um, but typically what I find is that financial advisors who always have a great stock tip they tend to make more money off the sell of that stock, whether you ever make money or not. So when you invest in stock, you, you if you're trying to do that to get rich, you'll likely just be making your financial advisor rich. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. The, the stock market can be a great way to build wealth, but only in the long run. For instance, Ben took that profit from his investments right away. So once it Once it tripled, he was like, eh, okay, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm done taking risk. He pulled it out. As a result, his investment reverted back into savings once he sold that stock. That stock was no longer generating any income for him. Uh, and by the way, I, the, the reason why Ben did that, I mean, he, he didn't come up with that idea on his own. The reason why he did that was because way back in 2008, when he was a year old, my company was roaring. I mean, the the I, the, um, the the income of in two thousand eight was basically doubling each year. Revenue was doubling over and over and over again, and we we were experiencing this huge growth trajectory. And I had hired and trained new team members as uh, as fast as I could, and and I invested in the company infrastructure, so we were really growing. And we also had great cash flow as well. We had no debt, lots of great cash flow. And then a downturn in the economy hit in late 2008, and that caused the cash flow to almost stop. On a, I mean, it stopped very, very quickly. And then all of the overhead that I had accumulated caused the cash reserves of my company to drop exponentially as well. So at the same time that that was going on within my company, the stock market crashed as well. And since the stock market had crashed, that's the best time, by the way, to buy in. That's what we did in COVID time. Um, but uh, I, there, was, there was an opportunity there to buy blue chip stock at, at bargain prices, uh, just like Ben did you know, over a decade later. Uh, but that year, I had made millions. My company, in my company, I had made millions, but I missed out on that opportunity to build wealth because I was flat broke. <laughs> and so when that happened to me once, I swore that it would never happen again. I was never going to miss an opportunity like that. So, so from 2008 all the way up to 2020, I had a plan to stash away cash so that if, that, if I ever saw an opportunity like that again, I was going to capitalize on it. So when COVID hit, well, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say I, I fared significantly better than what Ben did. I did pretty well. Even though it was a terrible time for a lot of people, I, I came out of that 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 whole year pretty well. So by the way, I, I and going back to stocks and investing in mutual funds and that kind of thing, I, I mean, I do have retirement savings. I, I've got an account where I invest in mutual funds regularly. However, I created that account after 
I became wealthy. <laughs> so bottom line, if you want to know how to build wealth, yes, you can get there by investing in stocks. However, if you follow the, the process that I'm going to show you on this, on this session, you'll likely do a whole lot better. So um, I'm going to, so we're going to break this down into some component parts. And for the rest of this session, I'm going to focus on step number one, which is building a wealth mindset, because that's the first step in becoming wealthy is creating a wealth mindset. You have to think differently. Wealthy people think differently from other people. They, they, they create a, a mindset that allows them to think differently. So most people spend their entire careers trading their time and their effort for dollars. They work for an hourly fee or an annual salary. Either one is kind of the same. Um, and as a result, their income is limited by two different components to that. The first, the first thing it's limited by is time. You've only got so much of it. You know, if you're working 40 hours a week or, you know, if you're uh, maybe 50 or 60 hours a week, you're still eventually going to run out of time. There's only so many hours that you can put in. And if you're on salary, you can put in more time, but it's not going to generate any extra income for you in, in most cases. So um, the, the other thing that it's limited by is what you can get somebody to pay you for your time. Um, and, and by the way, I had a mentor once when I was first learning this process, and he called that kind of thinking broke mentality. And he, he used that saying, you know, but he, he said that because he, he said that people who think this way are often financially broke. <laughs> so you have a broke mentality, right? Um, rich people, people who understand these wealth strategies, they see a salary or a wage as a temporary means. The, the old saying that the rich get richer and the poor get poor, it's, it's pretty true, but it's true in a specific way. It's true because the rich have a wealth mindset and the poor have a broke mentality. So the first thing you have to do to build wealth is to kind of change the way that you think. But, so what I'm going to cover here are a few simple things that you can do to kind of think differently so that you're more likely to accumulate that wealth uh, in your in your financial anyway. Um, so number one, step number one is that broke people trade time for dollars. That's one of the things that you have to understand. People who use wealth strategies focus on a return on their investments. They're investing their time in order to get a return on it. So if we're just trading that time for a specific amount of income, then once that time is gone, there's no additional income coming from that. So, so um, wealthy people kind of think differently. I, I, I'll give an example of this. When I was 16, I, I bought a beat up old car. I think I paid like 900 bucks for it. And I still needed to pay for gas and upkeep because it was an old car. I mean, obviously 900 bucks, it's going to have lots of maintenance issues and that kind of thing. So I just did what my friends did at the time. I got a job that paid me, you know, minimum wage and, and um, with, school activities and stuff like that. I didn't have a whole lot of time to trade for dollars each week though. So my income was limited by those two things. It was limited number one by the fact that I was getting the lowest unskilled pay rate that employers offered. And the other thing that was limited by was the small number of hours that I could exchange each week. Uh, so to make matters worse, my expenses, because I was working for so little, each hour and so few hours each week, my expenses exceeded my income every single week. Um, so I, I, I had just joined the workforce 
at the age of 16. And already I generated negative wealth for myself. I was already going the wrong way. So my only saving grace was that in the summer, I had more time. So I worked all summer each year to store up enough savings to cover my expenses for the rest of the school year. And that was the only way that I, that I was able to kind of survive. So a decade and a half later, though, I repeated that same mistake, but just at a much higher pay level when I owned my own business. So I took, I took the risk to start my own company, but I was my only employee. So when I taught a class, nobody else was out there. Nobody was manning the phones. Nobody was answering emails. Nobody was sending invoices. Nobody was updating the website. Potential customers had to wait until I had time to respond. And a lot of times I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And so eventually I got to the point, first year, it was really tough. Second year, still pretty tough. Third year, got a little better, right? And so by the time I got into my third and fourth year and I had lots of great customers, my income was fantastic. My income was great, but my lifestyle stunk. It was terrible because I was working so hard. I was working so many hours. So eventually I, I brought on an apprentice and, and, it, and it took me about two years and probably about 50 grand or so to fully train this new guy that I, that I hired. Uh, but after I had him trained, he generated over a quarter of a million dollars in billable hours every single year. So once he was trained, he generated significant income for himself, by the way, he created a great living for himself, but he also generated wealth for me because he was paying me a portion of what he was collecting in billable hours, right? So I leveraged my time by training another teacher. I, I, I spent time and I spent money to do that, but I got a return on my investment. And, and so basically, one of the things that you want to kind of focus on in the early stages is in order to build wealth, you really have to be able to leverage your time in order to, to uh, create that, that, that long-term wealth anyway. So the next mental shift that you have to make is you have to understand that you build wealth by building your risk tolerance. So for over two years prior to that moment that I hired the, the first guy, I thought about hiring somebody, but I resisted the urge. I, I was worried that the company didn't have enough capital to, to support additional employees. And I was probably right for most of that two years, but because bringing on staff was a huge risk. Um, and so basically what I did was I, I spent, I invested a lot of time and a lot of money to train my team. And within a couple of years, I had a half dozen or so team members at different stages of the training process. So like, for instance, the first guy took about two years to train him. So at the end of that two years, he was pretty much fully trained, but I had five other people that were at different stages, some almost complete and some of them just starting out the, the process. But that risk paid off pretty dramatically. It worked, it worked well the first time, so I kept doing that. And in the third year, we doubled our revenue from the second year. And then in the fourth year, we doubled our revenue again from the third year. And, and just before Christmas that year, I, I with, without any money in the bank, really, because I was still investing it back in my people and my infrastructure, I decided to give the whole team a bonus. I, I had worked for companies in the past that promised to give Christmas bonuses and never actually did it. And I was like, man, I'm going to be a different type of boss. I'm actually going to give them that Christmas bonus, even though there wasn't a whole lot of capital in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the bank account at the time. And at the same time, by the way, my accounting system back then was still an Excel spreadsheet on my computer. 
And um, so as a result, I kind of miscalculated. And so as those bonus checks started to clear toward the end of the year, when they cleared the, the various banks that they were that they were deposited into, the that little bit of extra money that I had in my bank account kept getting lower and lower and lower. So and back then, customers sent checks to our post office box. We rented a post office box in the middle of town. And so every day at 1 p.m., I'd rush to the mailbox every day during this time period. I didn't do it every single day, but I did it during this time period because I was so worried. Um, every, at 1 p.m., I'd rush to the mailbox to see if any payments had arrived, any checks, any customers that we'd done work with the month before, the weeks before had actually paid us. And on day one, I opened up the the uh, mailbox and there were no checks. In fact, there was nothing in there, not even junk mail that day, right? And then the next day, uh, I was a little bit more cautious because I'd already gotten burned once. I was expecting there to be something the previous day. So hopefully there'll be something in there this day. And I kind of put the key in. I slowly turned the key and opened up the box and there was still no checks in there. A little bit of junk mail, but no checks. And then on day three, I decided to get a little bit more serious. So I prayed twice. <laughs> I prayed in the car before I got out to go to the post office box. And then I also prayed immediately before putting the key in. And however, the box was, was, it was still empty that day as well. Now that same day, the third day, two of the bonus checks that I had written a few days before had already cleared my bank. So they were local people that had already deposited. Some of the others went in postal mail. So I knew I had a few more days, but now it was getting a little, I was getting a little bit more worried at this point. So um, I, I um, so basically I, the the fourth day, the the very next day after the the first two deposit or the first two checks kind of cleared, um, I I rushed same thing as before, kind of rushed to the post office box when I opened it this time though there were three checks, not just one, one would have been fine, but there were three checks and one of them was really big. It was one that we'd been waiting on for quite a while. Everybody was kind of happy, but I rushed to the bank to deposit them before the daily cutoff, which I think was like 2.30 or three o'clock at the time. And then a few days later, just so you know, um, even though that was kind of a that was the most worrisome time for me kind of financially, because I had I had invested so much into my company that I wasn't keeping anything for myself. I wasn't really sure if this was going to turn into a return. I, I knew I, I knew it was an investment, but I wasn't sure if I was ever going to going to make any money doing this, right? And especially considering how the first couple of years had been really lean, I, I didn't wasn't really making a whole lot of income back then. So, um, but what happened though was like three or four days later another couple of checks showed up in the mailbox. And in the next week, another, during the next week, anyway, a dozen more arrived in the mailbox. This was all stuff that we had done previously or people that were paying us in advance for work that we were going to do the, the next year. And all of a sudden it just started to snowball. Um, so by the start of the next year, the, the company that my, my company's bank account had gone from pretty much zero. I mean, really negative if you count what I'd already spent and hadn't been cashed yet, all the way up to about 100 grand. And that was in less than a month. So that was a big, huge change in a very short period of time. And then after that, it continued to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow because I was investing in myself. I was investing in the company. I was investing in my people. And so I took that risk and the risk really paid off and it paid off, you know, a hundredfold for me, right? 
So it was risky starting the new company. However, eventually the reward was 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 really worth it. Um, so the third part, of, the third part of the mind shift that you're going to need to make is that a wealthy mindset also means that you have belief in yourself and also in your abilities. That's one of the things I think that sets most people apart when they create this this wealth mindset is they have to be able they have to believe that that um, they're worth the amount that somebody is going to pay them. So um, without, just so you know, a lot of times when I kind of tell people this, it sounds offensive. It sounds like it sounds like I'm belittling them. I'm not. I'm I'm just basically kind of saying what what the God's honest truth is. Although there are a few exceptions, most people pretty much get paid what they're worth. You know, specifically, we all get paid for the problems that we solve for other people. For instance, hungry people are willing to go to a restaurant and pay for food because they've got a problem and the restaurant has a solution. Uh, and on, spe- on special occasions, those same people may be willing to pay a much higher fee for that food just because of the experience, taking mom to, to a birthday dinner or taking your wife out on your anniversary or something like that. So it, once you kind of understand that, it makes it a whole lot easier to kind of identify your value to the marketplace. What problems are you solving for the people around you? And you and that because that's really what determines your your value to the to the community and what what determines your value to somebody that's that's paying a fee for for your services. So all commerce, by the way, is an exchange of money for a solution to a problem. Every single thing, every single transaction that's ever been done, somebody has a problem, somebody has a solution to that problem, they exchange money for that solution. So if you work for a company or a boss who pays you to do a certain task, your value, your salary, your wage, whatever it is, is based on the solutions that you provide for that company or for that person. Um, I'll give you my own personal example. A few years after college, I, I got hired to sell satellite dishes door to door. So I'll give you kind of the background of how I ended up there because people say, well, wait a minute, I thought you were in the oil business, man. Like that's a pretty nice career to kind of go into. And, and I was, but I just got in at a really, really bad time. So when I graduated from college, my degree was in the oil business. I did have a nice, um, a, a nice job working at a really big Fortune 500 oil company. The problem, though, was that the price of oil at the time was like $16 a barrel. So it was, it was really bad. And I, I could see the handwriting on the wall. In fact, the company that I worked for after I left the company, by, by kind of seeing that they were probably going to be laying me, I was going to get fired anyway, because everybody got fired. When I went back just to kind of check in on some friends that I had there, like three years later, Three years from the time that I stopped working for that company, I went back and they had gone from 3,000 people in the office that I worked for, worked at down to about 200. So they went from 3,000 people to 200 and all of it was because of layoffs. And some of the people that like my boss, the guy who was like the big wig, the, the one who we went to a, for advice, he was actually, he had gotten laid off and had been hired back on a contract position. So it was a really bad time to, to be in that industry. And so I needed to, to shift. I mean, I, I just spent 
three and a half years getting that degree and the degree was pretty well worthless. So I had to kind of change industries. And, and so one of my friends recommended that I go into sales. Hey, Doug, with your personality, you'd make some pretty good money in sales. I was terrified. I didn't really know um, how to sell. I didn't have any experience. Didn't, um, you know, so I was looking for kind of a starter job. The first place that I found that that would hire me anyway was selling satellite dishes door to door. So this was back in the day, the, the, Company that I worked for was a was an independent company. It was a it was a mom and pop operation, uh, it, literally a, a man and woman uh, from from a, a small town near where where I was living at the time. Owned the company. They had a couple of different satellite offices in different cities, and uh, and a small sales team in each one of those those satellite offices. So at the time, there were no services like Dish. Basically, these um, satellite companies sold their satellite dishes to people. And then they paid for a service that was much less than what people could get through cable. So I actually did pretty well. I got, I got the job and I'm and uh, it, it was very easy for me to find customers because I was looking for customers that were paying 80, 90, hundred dollars a month for, for a cable. I'd go and sell them a five or $600 satellite dish. And then they would pay 15 or 20 bucks a month for, for the, the, the service. So it was, like I said, pretty, pretty easy sell. But when I, and it was not a glamorous job. I mean, obviously, selling something door to door is pretty hard anyway. But I learned a lot about selling, and I learned a lot about business very, very quickly by by having that position. And one of the first things that kind of hit me was that during the interview, the sales manager, the guy that hired me, I remember being in the interview with this guy and thinking, "This guy interviewing me is not really sharp. You know, he's not a smart guy." If he can make a living doing this, then surely I can. And he was making a really good living doing this. I'm like, God, I mean, I'm smarter than this guy is, right? And and I was right. The first few weeks I was at the company, I, I broke all the sales records and made a ton of commission, that kind of thing. A few weeks later, though, the manager quit. And um, I, actually, I'm not sure if he quit or if he got fired, but whatever it was, he, he was no longer there. And the owner of the company told us that he was going to be sending in a manager from the home office to to take over. And so he'd come in, he'd, uh, the owner of the company had come in and, and held a meeting with us. And when that meeting had ended, I, I went, I went to the owner and I, and I asked if I could have the, the job, cause I'm looking around the room and there's not really anybody on the sales team that he could readily promote into that position. Most of, I was the only one that had a degree. I was the only one that, that had a really good work ethic, you know, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I was so successful is that I just worked a full-time job. You know, I worked instead of working, you know, two or three hours like everybody else was doing, I was working eight or nine hours a day. And as a result, made some, some pretty good money. So in my head with my three weeks of sales experience in total, and with my three weeks of experience in that industry, in my head, I had this belief that, hey, I sh I'm the only choice that he has to have a uh, for a sales manager. So I went to my boss and said, hey, can I have the job? And he was floored, by the way. He was floored that this young kid, you know, this little, um, you know, I, at the time I was probably 22, maybe 23 year old kid. Uh, I, I'd only been with the company for a few weeks. And while he didn't promote me right away, I did make a positive impression on him. 
by the way, the new manager that he brought in was horrible. He, uh, the office lost a ton of money very, very quickly. And eventually the, or, the owner had to, had to let him go. And, and this time he gave me the chance and I, I, I got the location back on the right path. And my entire work team, after I trained them to kind of do what I was doing, began breaking sales records themselves. And, and I, I remember because at the end of that first month that I was a sales manager, I got a percentage of the total sales. That was my bonus. And by increasing sales for the for the office, I was able to get a bonus, and I had, I made more money in that bonus check that that month than what I did in the salary that I left at the oil company that I'd been working for just a few months earlier. So basically, I, the only reason I was able to get that bonus check, the only reason I was able to get that extra income. And, and for the first time in my life, start to create a little bit of a, of a nest egg was because I had a belief in myself. I knew that I was capable. I didn't, I, there was no other choice for him to, to uh, for the sales manager position. And, um, and so I, I kind of took the ball and ran with it. So you really have to kind of have that mentality. If you want to, if you really want to build wealth, you have to have a belief in yourself and a belief in what you're doing so that when you uh, when when times get hard or when you have a risk in front of you and you're trying to determine oh my gosh is this something that I should invest in or not you have to be able to take those steps that are going to get you to that powerful result that you're looking for all right so this is a good kind of break because um what we're going to talk about in the next session is I'm going to give you a really quick step-by-step process that you can go through to not only increase your income, you know, increase your income for doing whatever you're doing now without necessarily having to get a side hustle. And at the same time, begin to get your time and your money to start working for you. So you don't necessarily have to work as hard in the future. And we're going to cover all that next week. So we'll see you next week. Have fun. 